Hey girl, today on the podcast, I have a special treat for you. So make sure you stay tuned and listen through the whole episode because I have an interview with an amazing and local sex therapist. Miss Cat Fight is on the show today and I am so excited for you to hear our chat. We talk about so many different things. Our fields overlap so much and we could go on so many different tangents and I have to say we did a pretty good job of reining it in and I am excited because I know that she is going to be on the podcast in the future and we are going to be doing some awesome things together but today we are going to be chatting with Miss Kat. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Desiree Cassell. I'm an orthopedic and pelvic floor physical therapist specializing in women's health, aka pelvic floor. I'm a wife, mom of three, foodie, lover of all things movement in nature, and I'm super passionate about educating, empowering, and supporting other women like you to find and maintain balance throughout all aspects of their lives without pain, pressure, or peeing their pants. And this is the Balanced Momtality Podcast where we will talk about all things pelvic floor, your core, and optimizing your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery, providing you with the knowledge and tools so that you can feel like the strong, playful, and happy mom that you and your family deserve. Now let's get you out of those pads and back to loving movement. Fill up your water, pop in those AirPods, roll out your mat, and let's connect. Before we start today's episode, just a quick disclaimer that anything mentioned in this podcast is not meant to treat or diagnose any medical conditions. If you have any questions or concerns about your healthcare needs, please seek the care of your medical provider. This is also a safe space where we will be talking about very sensitive but important topics such as issues with peeing and pooping, relationships, and even sex. So if you have littles around, probably a good idea to pop those AirPods in. But otherwise, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey girl, today on the podcast, I have a special treat for you. So make sure you stay tuned and listen through the whole episode because I have an interview with an amazing and local sex therapist. Miss Cat Fight is on the show today and I'm so excited for you to hear our chat. We talk about so many different things. Our fields overlap so much and we could go on so many different tangents and I have to say we did a pretty good job of reining it in and I am excited because I know that she is going to be on the podcast in the future and we are going to be doing some awesome things together but today we are going to be chatting with Miss Kat who is a licensed professional clinical counselor and a clinical supervisor in the state of New Mexico. She's an ASECT certified sex therapist who works with individuals, couples, and adults. She trained, she's trained in emotionally focused therapy or EFT, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing or EMDR, and the Gottman method. Her counseling approach involves developing a supportive and empathetic relationship, integrating evidence-based treatments and research, and working to empower and motivate positive change. So without further ado, here is Miss Kat. Kat, I'm so happy that you took the time to join me on the Balanced Mentality podcast. I'm so excited. I've been really looking forward to our chat. Um, I know we had a little time to catch up and chat and get to know each other a little bit the other day and it was so fun and we just dove into so many different cool areas that our fields overlap and our interests overlap so I know today's conversation is just going to be so fun but I want to just start with just telling us your story and kind of what got you into the sex therapy world and what even is a sex therapist. 
Yeah. Well, thanks, Desiree, for having me. First of all, I'm like so excited and maybe um, we'll tell the story of how we actually met at some point, which is so funny living in a small town, how our lives just like overlap. But then also, like you said, so much of our interests in both of our careers, yours as a pelvic floor physical therapist and mine as a sex therapist um, overlap too. Um, but so let me tell you a little bit about me. So I'm originally from Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma's home for me. All my family, except one sister and brother-in-law live here in New Mexico, but um, born, raised, grew up there, was educated in Northeast Oklahoma and was doing an internship in my counseling program at um, what used to be Cancer Treatment Centers of America, since has changed hands and names, you know, some insurance issues or something like that as it goes in the medical world. But um, while I was working at the Cancer Treatment Hospital, I was an intern for counseling and what they called mind-body medicine. So I worked on this interdisciplinary team with other, with oncologists and with doctors and nurses, um, and I provided the mental health care. And there was a nurse on that team. Her background, she had a Masters of Science in Nursing, and um, her name's Tracy. Shout out to Tracy. Um, she was her title at the hospital was Intimate Connections Nurse, and I thought, what a fascinating title, especially to have in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where you know, at least in the culture of which I grew up in that um, environment, was we don't people don't talk about sex, people don't talk about sexual health. And I think my sexual health education really centered around abstinence, which we know from research, abstinence-based education is not a great way to educate young people on sex, especially pleasure and choice and consent and boundaries. Um, so when I came across Tracy, the intimate connections nurse, I thought, how countercultural? Who is this person? What does she do? And in her office, she had this bookshelf with vibrators and dilators and lubricant and um, wands and all of this fascinating sex stuff that I had no idea what it was. Um, well, come to find out, she her title is a sex counselor. Sex counselors are certified medical professionals, so pelvic floor physical therapists, urologists, oncologists, nurses that have done a sexual health program. And so Tracy was in the middle of her sexual health program and introduced me to this world of sexual health where she would tell me, Kat, you know, a lot of the patients that we see together on this interdisciplinary team after their cancer treatment are unable to have sex the same way that they used to. And so her job as the sex counselor was to help them physically with their physical problems, whether it was educating on uh, anatomy and, and, and positions and lubricant and pH balance, or, you know, giving people ideas and suggestions to expand their view of what sex is. You know, sex isn't just penis, vagina penetration. Sex is so much more broad than that. And she helps people expand their view of that. And Love hearing it. that, yeah, hearing that as an intern, I thought that is what I want to do with my life. I mm -hmm. want to help couples on the mental health side of how how to expand their ideas about sex, how to create the best sex lives for themselves um, and explore. What does that even mean for each yeah. person? That is so cool. I just love it. I especially love, you know, having 
your background in a part of the country that, like you said, you know, it already, like sexual health already is a taboo in our culture, which is kind of funny being, you know, more of a modern culture and having, you know, just culturally it is a, a taboo and more of a topic that is sensitive, but especially in that part of the country you grew up in where there is more of that religious um, influence. And um, I just really love that you weren't like shy, like it didn't make you shy away from it. In fact, it made you more like, what is this about? Like, this is so cool. I need to know this. And then once you learned, it, it was like, everybody needs to know, because I do find such a you know, and we'll get, we could probably do a whole episode just on the, you know, religious piece of how you do view sex and, yes. you know, all of that and how you approach that and how that impacts, you know, not only your pleasure, but, you know, how you might experience it more as like a trauma and something that can end up causing pain and dysfunction down the road because of how you viewed how that was supposed to go down. And maybe it didn't go down how you grew up thinking it would be, you know, morally okay. And there's so many kind of gray, you know, lines as you start to get into the sexual sexual health world. And I just really um, admire your, um, your interest and your passion and everything involved in it. And I'm so thankful that you did dive into it and that you are here, you know, even locally here in Los Alamos, which I think is so cool being a small town. I love that we have you here. And so I love that you're in, you know, the sex health world. So, uh, you know, I would love you just to elaborate a little bit on what does a sex therapist help with? Obviously, you know, sexual health issues, but what does that look like from your standpoint? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And let me, let me define sex therapist too. And maybe the best way to start with sex therapy is like what it's not. Yes. My introduction to sex therapy was this rom-com. Maybe you guys are familiar. It's a sequel to the Meet the Parents movie. It's called Meet the Fockers. Yes, and I it love stars, it. <laughs> it stars Ben Stiller. Um, ben Stiller <laughs> plays Gaylord or Greg Fokker. And it's him and his um, fiance. They go meet his parents, played by Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand. And Barbara Streisand plays a sex therapist in, in the movie Meet the Fockers. And in this scene... She has this like what looks like a group therapy setting for older adults and they're like in sex positions and they're kind of stretching and she's sort of coaching them. That is not my experience of sex therapy and what a sex therapist does. They think it makes for good Hollywood um, yeah. and, and some overlaps. But let me read you the definition. ASECT is the American Association for Sex Educators, Counselors and Therapists. And they define a sex therapist. So sex therapists are all mental health professionals, licensed mental health professionals. And our training and experience is really the, the psychotherapy part, the mental, emotional, psychological health of um, sexual health when it comes to sexual health. So that can look like desire discrepancy, vaginismus, pain and anxiety, um, erectile dysfunction. So it's a really broad, um, really broad treatment. And most of us kind of specialize in a niche of that, are trained broadly and specialized. Um, but yeah, we treat couples, individuals, clients, adults, even adolescents in, yeah, sexual mental health concerns related to sexual health. So yeah, what questions do you have about that? 
um, hearing you talk about, you know, that whole spectrum of populations and all the different types of conditions and everything, obviously a few really stand out to me, just especially seeing the populations I see and knowing, you know, from my standpoint, I do think that one, pelvic floor therapy should be like a standard of care for every woman just and probably every human right we all have a pelvic floor just like you know mental therapy to some extent should probably be in everyone's like toolbox because we all need that support but i'd be curious your thoughts on like you know what especially out of some of those populations are maybe some that you would really advocate for being very proactive about some of those things like for me i'm thinking specifically like the postpartum population who we know they're going through you know like a hormonal roller coaster and body image issues usually combined in with that and with that hormone roller coaster we're seeing drops in libido and you know all of those things where the um, postpartum depression is obviously something that we screen but you know thinking about even um uh, pregnancy and just those body image changes in certain populations that really would benefit from seeing you regardless of if they are, you know, noticing any issues. Is that something that you, you know, advocate for that you do just like screenings for? Is that like, you know, any specific populations that you do think that would be really beneficial for other than, you know, everybody? <laughs> More specific than everyone. It may be where I'm a little biased. Um, I think yeah, mental health care is so beneficial and necessary, maybe for anyone. We can get something out of it, but especially sexual health, um, sex therapy. You know, I think the key for do I need a sex therapist answering that question is, first of all, and I screen all of my new clients for this, um, pain pain with sex, pain with touch, pain is a like red flag for me. If, if I have pain with penetration, inserting a tampon, touch, pain with uh, anything sexually related, pain shouldn't be painful. And I think a lot of us are told, at least I was in my sexual health education, the first time that you ever have sex is going to be excruciatingly painful. And that's such a myth. Um, in, in continued sex, sex after a baby, sex during a pregnancy, sex, you know, um, during menopause, pre-menopause, pre <laughs> yeah, sex during, you know, sex on long-term hormonal birth controls. And we just kind of yeah. normalize this pain and we shouldn't. Sex should not be painful under any circumstances. So that's a great time for me. That's always a big red flag. Um, it's time for sexual health care. Um, yeah. if there's pain. Second, I would say fear and anxiety related to sex. Mm -hmm. Fear and anxiety, especially related to pain with sex, dyspareunia, um, with penetration, fear, anxiety related to physical touch, to vulnerability, to any, that's a great time to see a sex therapist. With performance, how is my body going to function? I think you said this earlier, Desiree, um, what I think should happen, what that should be. Um, and so sex therapy is a great option of working through those shoulds and fear and anxiety that come with the shoulds, what I should do, what I shouldn't, what's okay, what's not okay. Um, yeah. I process. love that. I love that because I think, you know, and obviously I feel like I'm a little more savvy in the, in the sense of screening for like, oh, you, you know, that would be beneficial for obviously like a sex therapist, but in the general population, I'm sure there's some awareness of things like, 
you know, if there is a um, sexual assault or rape experience or some of those more obviously traumatic things related to um, sex or intimacy that we might think, oh, yeah, they definitely would need, you know, some extra um, support. But it is, it goes so much deeper into even just how you're culturally viewing that, you know, experience in that situation and um, pain. I love that you mentioned that because obviously that's one of my screens too. It's like, you know, if there's pain, you need to see a therapist, whether it's, you know, and obviously we're saying here a physical therapist, pelvic floor PT and a mental health sexual therapist, because those are so interrelated. I know um, that I'm sure you have this conversation with your um, clients as well, how just interconnected that system um, obviously is and how pain really is something that our nervous system and our physical, that physical tissue in our body are responding to. And we have to look at it from both ways. Like we have to approach it from the physical tissue side and we have to approach it from the mental nervous system, the processing and, and all of that. And so I just love, um, you know, bringing that holistic viewpoint in. And I love, you know, for all the listeners out there hearing this today, like if you do have any of those symptoms, please seek support because it is something that I feel like is uh, I get, you know, those conversations again of, oh, yeah, you know, I just, you know, it was painful that first time. And I, you know, was expecting that or pain after a baby. Yeah, that was terrible. But we expected that. And it's just like, no, you don't need to have that experience. And so I just love that you're helping spread that message as well. Because unfortunately, as I mentioned with you before previously in our chats that I've had patients come back to me and tell them what other medical providers have told them, you know, and even OBs and midwives and people that I feel like should know better that, you know, they're just telling people that, yeah, you're in your 40s, like sex is going to be uncomfortable now. Like, oh, yeah, you know, you had few babies like that. And it's like, oh, it kills me. And so I just love that you're helping spread that message. Um, And so I did like, you know, I and we could get into all the different ways that that, you know, pain and um, how the mental health side inner uh, correlates and affects each other. But I do I'm curious, personally, like, what the different types of um, therapy modalities that you use for this, you know, like a lot of people think sex therapy, and they or, you know, not even just sex therapy, but um, mental health therapy in general, I think the most common one we hear and think of is talk therapy. So, you know, I'm curious what those modalities that you most utilize are when it comes to this population and specifically people that are experiencing dyspareunia and pain with intercourse and intimacy um, and pelvic pain in general. Like, are you finding specific treatment modalities that are more effective or is there a combination of things you're using or what is that research and your um, clinical experience really showing for improving that population? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so kind of a um, few options and also broad, like uh, pain, dyspareunia is in my mind, I conceptualize that like an umbrella term that Mm -hmm. holds a lot of different reasons for pain. And so working in the mental health side of pain, using things like because when we experience pain, our ba- our brains protect us from that pain sometimes by dissociating, by disconnecting mm-hmm. from the pain. So, so much of the work in the mental health field with 
different types of pain are just getting back into your body, noticing and connecting to your pelvic floor. And so maybe it's mindfulness in a session where we're just drawing awareness, where I'm drawing awareness to people's um, different body parts and we're just noticing and we're working on becoming familiar and becoming comfortable with noticing here, sitting here right now, to your vulva, noticing your sit bones pressing against your seat, noticing any pain or discomfort in your body. And so a lot is just noticing or what some would call mindfulness um, and then working directly with what's disconnecting. Is it trauma? Is this trauma related? Is this anxiety? Is there past sexual assault? Do things that we need to work through? And if that's the case, um, I'm an EMDR trained provider. So EMDR is an acronym for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And it's one of the most highly effective evidence-based treatments for trauma, such as sexual assault, or just anxiety, uh, fear, and that is an eight-part process, um, but can be a really quick and really efficient way to work through somatic body-held symptoms of fear, anxiety, trauma, um, where pain originates. So working, like I was saying, on a multidisciplinary team with a pelvic floor physical therapist or a urologist or an oncologist or primary care or a psychiatrist we can all from our different trainings and angles i'm like making the circle with my arm like a wraparound if we can do these wraparound services for pain i see my part as working with the mental emotional health and that's often emdr for me as a um, sex therapist Part of my training is that the other um, part I love working with is I'm a emotionally focused therapist and EFT emotion focused therapy is, is very much like it sounds is very emotion focused. It's warm and it's genuine and it's empathetic and it's creating a creating an alliance and a strong therapeutic relationship where we can talk about. What, what are your emotions? What's happening internally right now as we go there? And processing and giving space for those emotions. Um, some therapists, and sometimes this is also really helpful, is cognitive behavioral therapy. So kind of a different approach than EFT or even EMDR. Cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT is working with the thoughts. CBT asserts that we all we have thoughts first, and then we have emotions, and then we have behaviors. And so if we're working with those cognitions first, what do I think about my vulva? What do I think about this pain? What do I think about sex or penetration or my body or my body image? We're working with that first, and we're reframing those negative beliefs through psychoeducation, through saying, actually, your clitoris is made for pleasure. And you know your clitoris extends all the way from your pubic mound all the way down behind the anus so mm -hmm. here's this here's this space just made for pleasure all pleasure and so if i can use a little bit of cognitive work cbt and a little bit of psychoeducation then we can and i keep making this movement like we're shifting if we can go from a to b and a is rigid and it's negative and it's contained beliefs that culture or society or whatever has put on you and we can move to be to a more holistic and realistic and expanded view of sexuality then so much work is done there sex therapy wise mental emotional psychological 
I love that. So it sounds like, you know, you're doing a little bit of everything in terms of addressing that um, processing of the body and releasing and helping the body kind of process through held trauma, um, a looking at the emotional side and the cognitive thought side, because it is to me from, you know, just my physical and how I do feel like even though I'm a physical therapist, I do so much of that, you know, just like processing and mental talk therapy, more like, you know, just like helping mm -hmm. people process through a lot of this stuff. And so um, I just love hearing that your approach really is kind of a little bit of everything because it is so crucial to, again, kind of get it from all angles. And so I just love that. And um, I expect, you know, I'm so interested in the eye processing one. I want to learn more about that because there's even, you know, um, some therapy, physical therapy processes where we really work with the fascial system, you know, through eye movements and tongue movements and things like that, and just working kind of more craniosacrally. And it's still physically with physical tissue, but it's been really interesting because my experience doing that with patients in the past, um, you know, it's kind of one of those types of therapies for the physical therapy world that can kind of be thought of as like, you know, kind of woo woo. Cause it's like, oh, why are you doing eye movements for this person who just had hip replacement surgery or something, you know, and we would be working with these, um, these people's eyes and their tongues. And I was learning from a mentor at the time in a skilled nursing facility. And she was teaching me like, you know, some of this work and she wrote a book on it and everything. And it's super cool. And it was so fascinating to me because it did, it felt like it didn't really, you know, connect, but then I would see these people come from like 10 out of 10 pain to all of a sudden, like two out of 10 and they could get up and move around just from like messing with their eyes and their tongue, you know, and it's so cool. I could totally see how, you know, just using eye movements and stuff could help unlock random stuff throughout the body. And it is really interesting being a very hands-on manual therapist. You know, I've mentioned this to you um, when we chatted too, just how I do physically feel that like tension and, you know, release work. But um, there's so many ways that we can do that and help kind of working through that. And so it's cool to just hear another way that we can kind of help release trauma and process through everything. Um, I would love to know, you know, you mentioned a few things already, but for like, cause I, I do want to give um, my listeners some, something kind of practical or some tools or tips that you have, you know, even if it is like some eye movements or some breath exercises or mental affirmations or what are kind of, you know, especially for that woman who's maybe sex isn't like so bad that they're not doing it anymore. And, and maybe it is, you know, but like what is for that woman who is maybe, you know, they're wanting to to find that pleasure again, and they're wanting to have a pain-free experience. Um, how, like, what are some practices that you would advise them practicing, whether it was like daily or maybe even right before intercourse or during or after? Um, obviously, I know you probably have tons. So just one little snippet, I would be so grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gosh, that's so... Um tricky. And I, I only hesitate because there's so many different reasons we all hold in us why not to have sex, why yeah. it's not a good time or my body's in pain. Or so if I'm speaking directly, I guess, to the woman who, who has pain and who knows my partner is going to want to have sex tonight. Um, I would say get, get a multidisciplinary team in your corner and get to the bottom of why 
why is there pain? And let me just normalize and say it is so common. Dyspareunia is the most common form of, of sexual dysfunction in women under 40, in women premenopausal. And so if you have that, know A, that you're normal and B, that sex should not be painful. When we are pushing through and we're pushing through like, I know my partner wants to have sex tonight and whatever I tell myself I should, my partner wants me to, to have sex or engage in this sexual intimacy that they want that I don't necessarily want. Research is very clear. Relationships end up in what they call this death spiral, the sexual relation. It sounds morbid because it is morbid. Um, <laughs> this sexual relationship death spiral. And so if you find yourself woman with sexual pain in sexual encounters that are painful for you and you're pushing through, stop, stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. Find a pelvic floor PT, find a sex therapist um, to help you with that pain. Because the more that we push through painful experiences, the more of an aversion or fear, of course, the more painful things that we do that we don't like doing, the more we're going to be adverse to doing that. Um, stop doing that and get some support to have the sex that you want to have. Um, and I guess what I will leave all of us with, no matter where you're at sexually, you have no sexual pain or you experience sexual pain all of the time. Maybe wearing jeans or pants is uncomfortable. It's not even sexual. Maybe you just experience pain. Figure out what is sex worth wanting for you. Define that. What is, if I could look ahead at my life five months from now and say, I'm having sex that's worth wanting for me. What is that sex? Is it penetrative sex, non-penetrative sex? Is it non-sexual? Is it non-sexual physical touch? What is that? And start thinking in terms of what is sex worth wanting for you? Because I think we internalize and we all get these messages of what is sex that I should be having or what is the sex that's good? And if you don't know what that is, if you hear my words and you're like, gosh, Kat, I don't know what sex worth wanting is for me. I want to recommend a resource if that's okay with you Desiree yeah. if I can do that yeah. there in Colorado Springs there's a group of researchers who have created this website omgs.com omgs.com is like oh my goodness yes.com if you go there there are three seasons available for sale and each of these seasons the first one is external pleasure so it's all clitoral stimulation sexual external stimulation and then the second one is all penetrative stimulation all kinds of penetrative sex partnered or with a sex toy and then the third season is all um, research-based evidence-based pleasure with toys even a little bit of anal simulation in play because we know the clitoris extends all the way to the anus. And so if you like butt stuff, it's because it's pleasurable and sensational. And so, you know what? This OMGS website, I think was maybe one of the greatest resources I discovered in my sex therapy program of just expanding what is sex worth wanting. And I think was the first time I had conceptualized for myself, yeah, what is what is sex that I want? You know, what is good sex for me? And so whether you're experiencing pain or not, OMGS is a great resource of many resources to define maybe what does that look like for me? 
I love that. I've heard of this resource and I haven't checked it out much myself other than kind of browsing their website, but mm -hmm. I think it looks so cool. And I think it is something that I wish like I, you know, knew about a long time ago, because from what it seems like that, you know, just reading through their website, which we will link in the show notes of today's show, but I, you know, even just read some words of stuff that I was like, what's that? You know, like there's so many different things that we're unaware of. And I love that you mentioned that and use that as like your advice for, you know, kind of like a rule of thumb, like obviously don't like stop, stop pushing through stuff that is uncomfortable because that is going to be how we're just perpetuating that feedback loop and creating that sense of trauma and kind of ignoring our own body's boundaries and that's kind of where i feel like you know trauma really is created when we're just you know putting up that especially when it, it to me i've seen it look a lot like dissociating you know if people patients are and that can look like such a spectrum true too right because i know there's even you know that condition of dissociation but um just thinking about something else like when we're going into those experiences or working with the therapist um hands-on or if you're doing your own wand work or dilator work and if you're disconnecting and i always tell my patients too, you know, like it's not about like, oh, let's get as big of a stretch as we can with the dilator and just kind of disconnect and think about tomorrow. And oh, she said, if I just show up here, this is going to help my tissues. Like that's not really going to help you. And in fact, it could actually make things worse if you're really just, you know, placing and trying to ignore the pain because we are looking for some level you know to some extent when we're working with tissues especially things like vaginismus where that vaginal canal is really closed down and we're physically trying to stretch the space we are looking for a level of stretch and trying to open things up but i think it's such a slippery slope because people can kind of get stuck you know they'll get really frustrated that they haven't progressed through their dilators as quickly or maybe they were, were progressing quick and then they are having a hard time you know getting into that next level and i find it's just because they're kind of going too intense and too aggressive and they're not in their body really present with does this even feel good like the dilator needs to feel like it is like you can relax around it and breathe around it and your tissues can release around it and so just being again kind of how you said that first step at the very beginning of this um chat about awareness and just connecting like I, I've all, I'm always a big advocate advocate for that being that first step because you can't heal from pain if you don't know what's even hurting, right? Like what's actually hurting? Maybe some of the areas actually feel good to be touched. Maybe, you know, just learning your body and really getting that sense for what you like because I do think that that is, again, like a space for um, where people struggle is they're trying to meet their husband's goals or society's goals or you know maybe their libido is so low that they just have no drive to do it and maybe they did just have a baby so there's some pain there um and so there are you know we you alluded to a few there's so many things that can cause you know pelvic pain and dyspareunia and um i am doing my series through the podcast this month talking about this so hopefully people are listening in and they've heard the last couple weeks episodes where i did go into a lot of the different factors that can cause dyspareunia and a lot of some of the physical tools um, and other um, resources out there for this but i do just want to advocate um and kat you can add to this too about just really um, rewriting your story for what that sex life should look like for you. And uh, again, like what is that best case scenario? And it's not that we're going to 
force ourselves or our body or anything through something that we're feeling and you know we're resisting and it's hard right because with something like this there's resistance and it could be pain like the resistance could be a physical pain or it could be right like the shame because of how we were brought up or something like that and so it is a tricky field um you know and i'd be curious even to hear how you kind of approach this with especially i feel like the um, shame piece because working through physical tissue is one thing right like there's like some discomfort and there is i'm always telling them there's going to be a little discomfort but it needs to be tolerable enough that you can relax into it you can still be in your body you're visualizing where that discomfort is we're breathing into it you know all of that but even mentally right like this is a space where even if those tissues could tolerate a stretch if that person is like cringing up and you can see that they want nothing to do with using a dilator or a wand or anything like that and it's more of that mental resistance uh i'm curious you know because there it's like some things you want to push through and some things you want to honor you know your about your values and your morals and all of that so at least like my approach has been with my patients just to ask why like, you know, I'm like, don't ever force yourself to do anything that you don't feel comfortable with. But I do want you to ask why. Like, is it because you're afraid of the pain? Is it because you've never looked at your vagina before and you've never touched it and it's simply just getting to know your body? Or is it that you do have some of these histories and, you know, how you culturally were brought up where you do feel like if I take this step, that goes against like what I believe. And so how, how like would you kind of go about addressing some of that? And that's probably like, well, come see me. Like you need to see a sex therapist because you've got a lot going on. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I think that's a great question because we both, we all face that, right? Like, what's the goals? And just when you were talking, I, I so appreciated you naming trauma because what happens, uh, well, let me just give you my best working definition of trauma. In all of my years as a trauma-informed therapist, I think my favorite definition of trauma is any stressor we experience in our life that we're not equipped to deal with at the time that it happens to us, any stressor we're not equipped to deal with at the time that it happens. Mm -hmm. And when we face those stressors or those traumas that we can't manage or adapt to, um, that is stored in the body, right? And we keep talking about it as a tension or as a clenching or as a pain. And so I think what we do, how maybe our modalities, yours, Desiree, and mine, um, is to help people relax and release and let go of their attention in their body. And I think where we go with that and the goals that we set are all based on good assessments in the beginning of therapy. Where do, or in the beginning of pelvic floor physical therapy or mental health sex therapy, it's like, where does each individual person want to go? You know, maybe some people do have the goals, like you were saying, I want to work through this shame. I have this shame that keeps me um, inhibited in a way that I don't want to be inhibited or negative about my own sexual experiences that I don't want to be negative about. Or maybe people say, I want to try anal penetration. I want to try, try multiple partner sex. I want to try this thing that feels out of reach to me because of it's a, the, the client, I mean, really gets to set the goal of whatever they want in therapy. And I think that's the 
where a good assessment comes in in the beginning, asking a lot of open-ended questions and letting each person fill in the space of what they want their outcomes to look like. I think pelvic floor PT and sex therapy can look like a lot of different things, a lot of different outcomes. Yeah, totally. Does that answer it does. And I, I know I unloaded like five questions at once on you. So I apologize. But I love, um, you know, I just I love that answer. And it, you're so right about trauma, right? Like trauma is something I think. Um, and whether it was like, again, an obvious trauma, like an assault, or it was, you know, maybe some childhood stuff that you have no idea you were experiencing. And maybe it even had nothing to do with the pelvic floor space itself. I've definitely seen such a connection with that pelvic floor space, just holding so many different stories and experiences. So we can't, we can't forget and ignore any trauma. And I think that it's really interesting, um, again, like how I've seen it physically kind of just release and come out of the body. It's so crazy to see because you can just feel that tissue release and relax and their pain goes away. And um, obviously, I'm, it's a process and kind of reworking how your body because also muscle holds memory and the body holds memory. So like, it's a lifelong journey processing through all of this, right. Um, and that's why it's good to have people like us in your toolbox for most of your just throughout your life because things come up. Um, but I do I was curious, like for um, things like libido, I have a lot of patients who ask about libido. Um, and I know, you know, physical therapy, pelvic floor, especially we work on a lot of things to help increase that pleasure and sensitivity to the clitoris and mobility to the clitoral hood and making sure that blood flow is getting there and we're getting amazing orgasms and all of that great stuff. But I have, you know, women, especially if they're going through like menopause or um, obviously pain can do this too, just in general, but any of those hormone dives where we just see like or to people that are like struggling with libido and they're like, I've gotten things checked and everything like seems okay. Like what would be your advice for some, some things that people can kind of start either looking at to start exploring to see if that's affecting their libido or some tools and tips that you've seen help improve that, whether it's cognitive stuff or um, anything in your realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this question because I love exploring like pleasure in the, it's like the goodness in the fun in the expanding yeah. of sexual health. So I, so I would say, first of all, as a sex therapist, kind of the, what I'm looking for is red flags when someone is saying my libido is lower or I'm not having as much sex as I want to be having, um, then I'm always questioning um, things like SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, are known to um, have two effects against libido. Uh, well, one against libido and then inability to orgasm. So you do the same desire, the sexual response cycle, the desire, the excitement, the plateau, but then there's just no orgasm. It's like an inability to orgasm when you get to that part often on SSRIs. And then just a lower libido, a lower spontaneous desire that just pops up like, oh, I have these sexy feelings or this sensation. And I, you know, so I'm always looking for SSRIs and, and educating and suggesting maybe a visit to the psychiatrist or primary care, whoever's overseeing that medication to see if there can maybe be a switch or figuring out the timeline. When did you notice this lower libido? When did you start taking this SSRI? Now, whether people are on an SSRI and they want to say, 
or they're not on an SSRI. The next route, the next direction I go is, is um, our greatest sex organ. And our greatest sex organ is our mind and our fantasies and our desire. And so we start working with what is sex worth wanting? What's good sex? How do we start fantasies? And I know some people um, scheduling sex works for them. Um, and I hear these fantastic stories of like, I bought new lingerie or I bought this new sex tour. I bought this new flavored lube or I bought these wax candles or I bought these, you know, whatever things to look forward to, to kind of start motivating, start looking forward to and anticipating a sexual mm -hmm. experience. Um, scheduled sex often works for, if it's a heterosexual couple partnered, it often works for the female partner that's saying, great, it's on my calendar. I'm thinking about it. I'm <laughs> anticipating it, but it often will create anxiety for the male partner in the heterosexual couple. So I, when I've seen this work, I've seen it work where the female partner keeps it on her calendar and it's private and it's a surprise. Um, so it's not creating anxiety in the male, um, partner like having to perform, that's a whole other podcast of performance anxiety and what we do with that. Um, but then the next thing is, is something like um, taking a class, for instance, um, self-serve is an ethical to uh, sex toy shop in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They have, whether you live in Albuquerque or even in New Mexico or not, self-serve has virtual classes, all things from flirting to making out to, um, rope tying to bondage to sex toys all kinds of stuff um and then also i would back to the omgs website omgs is all about pleasure and if we can get what emily nagowski dr emily nagowski wrote as a wrote a book called come as you are and if we can do what she says in that book she's a sex educator sex therapist and Emily says, if we can just put ourselves in a sexy context, and she uses the example of put our my naked body next to my partner's naked body, and we can just see what happens. If we can put ourselves in sexy context, if we can get a babysitter, if we can get time alone, if we can schedule sex, if we can have novelty, us humans love novelty. We love new things, new candles, new toys, new. So if we can bring in new things and fun and excitement, that I think is some of the greatest things to help with libido. I love all of that. I especially love, you know, just the, um, again, like make it pleasurable, like make it fun. And I think it's hilarious. I can totally see how scheduling would make it, you know, just anxiety provoking <laughs> for guys. And it's hard, right? Cause like I do see a lot of women and are, um, especially moms. So a lot of parents and have young kids and it makes it so hard cause you do kind of have to schedule things in and it does get tricky cause we're not only dealing with like the hormone dive and all of that, but you do now you're having a lack of sleep. So that's going to affect your energy and your libido and how you're connecting. You also probably have, at least we did a baby in our bed for like a long time or in your room, you know? And so it's like, you, you have to get creative and it get, it does, it can feel like, do we just have to schedule this now? And all the spontane spontaneity is gone. And so it gets tricky. I think that it's, I like that idea of like the woman kind of planning it, but it's a surprise mm -hmm. for the man, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. we can still 
create that sense of like, okay, because for I do feel like especially for women, like we need that ramp up time, like foreplay is so important, even if that's again, like mentally in your own head, getting your mind and your body on the same page so that your tissues and everything are just got the blood flow, got the hormones and the endorphins already pumping, you know, and it makes it so that one, you, everything's going to feel better because it's able to stretch and accept any amount of change of pressure or stretch or penetration or freak, um, friction and movement like that, that we know can cause pain if there's dry tissue or fragile tissue and we're lacking some of that um, natural body lubrication, but also just to allow you to orgasm, you know, you're not going to be able to if you're not in your body and really connecting. So I think that having some of that warm up time for females really helps just set their body. And I even have my, um, I encourage women to do some of the breath work a little bit right before if they have the luxury of kind of knowing like, oh, this is mm -hmm. going to be coming up soon. So let's actually do a little bit of the deep breathing and maybe even some wand work and release work, maybe even a little dilator work just to get everything ready. Um, and yeah, we all hope that, you know, we have the fun, spontaneous moments that our body's ready for and it's not going to hurt. But I love those tips, just kind of getting in your own body and also getting curious and getting fun and playful with it because it's supposed to be and it shouldn't have to feel like it's this, you know, to do on on the whiteboard, you know, we want to enjoy it and explore it. And so I just love that. And I love chatting with you, Kat, we could obviously talk on so many tangents of things we talked about today. So I do, I'm already excited for some of the other episodes I will be having you on for. So I really appreciate it. And I just wanted you to wrap up with um, you know, tell, I know that you are local in Los Alamos, New Mexico. So you are providing um, in-person services here in the local area, but how else um, can you help? Are you, you know, helping people? How can people find you? Kind of let mm -hmm. us know um, for those listeners who were just like, oh, I love Kat. I want to reach out to her or I have some questions for her. What's the best um, way for people to go about that? Yeah, well, I would love that. Um, my so I have a website, and that's kind of like the hub. Um, so my website is Hilltop Counseling NM, like New Mexico.com. So Hilltop Counseling NM.com. And it, it talks about me, the services I offer. There's a cute picture of my therapy dog. He comes to the office with me most days. Um, my email and ways to get a hold of me. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. You can find my Hilltop Counseling NM like New Mexico. So Hilltop Counseling in M. And so follow me there. This is um, where I post a lot of sex therapy content. A lot. I'm also a couple therapist, couple therapy content, trauma, um, trauma, anxiety content. Um, so follow, link, email, message. I would love to hear from you. I love it. And I will be linking all of Kat's contact information, her website, her socials, all of that in the show notes below um, so that you can find her. Definitely reach out. She is an awesome human. I'm so thankful that she was on our show today. Thank you so much, Kat. And I'm so looking forward to our next chat. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Desiree. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. I know you've got so many other important things going on, but I hope it was helpful and you leave here with some tools to help you in your healing journey. 
And I just want to ask you, if you have found this helpful, to please leave a review on iTunes. Scroll down to the bottom of my podcast page and leave that five-star review so it can help other women see this information. And also, if you want to be a part of my community of amazing women trying to balance all the things, great tips and insight and sharing stories and just motivating each other along the way, feel free to join my Facebook group, The Balanced Mentality Wellness and Support. I hope to see you here next time on The Balanced Mentality Podcast.